Doctor. <laughs> up I'm driving when the sun goes down the hum of 18 wheels Lord that's the longest sound I spend all day chasing that old white line I've been on the road so long I've lost track of time now it don't matter where I'm going I just gotta drive I have the white line fever till the day Hey friends, this is Gary Rayburn of Lonesome Road Ministries, and we've got an awesome program for you. I know you're going to enjoy it today, and you're going to want to get more copies of this, so give us a call, 618-383-2107, or log on to lonesomeroad.org. Or you can email me at gary.lonesomeroad at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Now sit back, listen, and enjoy today's program from Lonesome Road Ministries, Church on the Road. Give us a call. We look forward to hearing from you. I keep those wheels turning from town to town. There's so much I got to see. I got to look around. I got diesel smoke rolling from two chrome stacks. My address is 408-414, a big blue Mac. Now it don't matter where I'm going, I just gotta drive. I have the white line fever to the day that I die. I said 18 wheels rolling on the road, it is my life. Dennis McKay, The McKay Project, with The Road Is My Life, and we play that at the start of every one of our radio programs because you, the driver, the road is your life. And we are having a great time. That's right. We're taking it out there on the highway this year. I think we're going to kick off this year in uh, Mid-America Truck Show in Louisville. That's right. Louisville, one of my favorite events. Yes. Yeah, we're going to have a great time. So if you would like to get a hold of us, my phone number is 618 618- 383-2107 or you can call my partner Dennis McKay. Area code 662-889-2829 Alright. Well we're going to have a great time and a great show. I think we ought to play a song for our friends out there on the road and this is a song by our good friend James Payne. And there's a song he's got called Smoking Gospel Grass. That's right. Yeah, and I know Listen to the song, and then we'll explain. (laughs) I know you never did spoke any of that. Uh, I played the field. Yeah, but hey, it's legal now. 
we can just light up now, can't we? Well, I had I had a friend of mine the other day that said he's had a lot of ailments and he's been using that hemp oil, you know, to help him with his ailments. I said, how's it work? He said, well, not too good. I can't keep it lit. <laughs> <laughs> we better put on James Payne before we, we get ourselves in trouble. We might ought to. <laughs> Here's Smoking Gospel Grass by James Payne. There's a white frame church outside of town Sunday night when the sun goes down Get out to fiddle and rosin the board Church starts rocking in the Holy Ghost Flat top guitar and the bright bass Playing every verse of amazing grace Joy of the Lord fills up the place When the bluegrass band begins to play Smoking gospel grass Playing every note like it will be their last Songs do songs slow and fast Smoking gospel grass Smoking gospel grass Sister Mary and Brother Lyle might dance two step down the aisle Brother Bob and Peggy Sue been known to shout a time or two the little church sits down on the coming road If you ever get the chance to go Swear you enter the pearly gates When the bluegrass band begins to play Smoking gospel grass Playing every note like it will be their last Old songs, new songs, slow and fast Smoking gospel grass Smoking gospel grass Smoking gospel grants Playing every note like it will be their last Songs, new songs, slow and fast. Smoking gospel grass. Smoking gospel grass. Smoking gospel grass. Play me out, boys. I know that everybody enjoyed that, and I think you're going to agree with me that James Payne is one of the greatest songwriters and singers 
and evangelist in America, and he has a great message for us today. That's right. Here's our good friend, James Payne. I'm so glad I'm a Christian. When Jesus found me, I was in a hospital room, the eighth of nine children, and no one in our family as far back as anyone could remember had been a Christian. I was a mainline heroin addict and an alcoholic. They pronounced me dead after three surgeries, pulled the sheet up over my body, turned the light off in the room, and left me for the undertaker. That's where Jesus found me. He walked in that room, pulled that sheet back, touched me on my right foot. And you've got to remember, this is 46 years ago. There were no Christian television networks. The only preacher on television, I believe, at that time was Oral Roberts and Billy Graham, and they were on just occasionally. And I didn't know who they were. But when Jesus touched me on my right foot, he said, I'm going to raise you up, and you're going to carry the gospel around the world. Forty-six years later, my voice has been heard in over 175 countries. Because Jesus found me, when everybody else gave up on me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, I continue to be amazed as I travel the world at what God is doing that a lot of people don't even know about. What you're doing here and the people that you're touching and affecting through this ministry, it doesn't have national exposure. People are not talking about it, but it's going on anyway. And I praise God for that. And uh, I just commend every one of you. And uh, I want to, if I could, preach to you just a little bit. I'm not a long-winded preacher unless you're quiet. When you get quiet, I get nervous and I get long-winded. I just want to, maybe I don't need to preach. This message may not be for anybody, but it's, it's, it's a message about going through stuff. The last 18 months, I've been walking through the toughest time of my life. Uh, God allowed me, when I was 17 years old, to marry an angel named Ruby. And 18 months ago, she went to heaven. And while it was wonderful for her, it was hell for me. See, because she's the only person I ever loved. She gave us two wonderful boys, one who pastors the church in Orlando, Florida, the other who produces half the gospel music that comes out of Nashville. And when you wake up for the first time after 47 years of marriage and she's not there, 
I was praying for her on a Tuesday morning. She'd been in a coma for two days. The Lord spoke to me just like I'm talking to you now. And he said, I'm going to take Ruby to heaven in the morning. And there's not anything you can do about it. He said, her mission is complete and yours is not. It was the only time I remember in 46 years disagreeing with God. But I disagreed with him. And I begged him not to take her, but he took her. When she went into the coma, they said she'd never come out of the coma, but I asked God for one thing. When he told me he was going to take her, I said, let her wake up long enough for me to tell her I love her. And that it's going to be all right. And he said to me, he said, she'll wake up at 1.30 this afternoon. Me and all of her family was standing around the bed at 1.30. She opened her eyes. I leaned over the bed. I said, you still my baby? She said, yeah. I said, I love you. She said, I love you. I said, it's going to be all right. She said, I know. Next morning at 9, 10 in the morning, she went to heaven. Just like the Lord said. So if you don't think anybody knows what you're going through, I know what you're going through. God knows what you're going through. Amen. But I want to leave you with this thought this afternoon. It ain't over yet. The Lord said her mission's complete, but yours is not. That's when I realized it ain't over yet. I see a lot of people go through things and they stop living. And they start existing. It ain't over yet. Look at somebody saying it it ain't over yet. And I'm going to tell you something else. I'm going to tell you something else. The devil don't want you to know how close you are to your miracle. The devil don't want you to know how close you are to your breakthrough. The devil don't want you to know how close you are to your greatest hour in the, in the presence of God and in the power of God. Hell wants to lie to you and tell you the best is behind you, but I come to tell you this afternoon it ain't over yet. It ain't over yet. God's not finished with you. It, God's not through with you. The devil is a liar. I want to draw an excerpt from David's life. David is one of my heroes in Scripture. 1 Samuel 30 of chapter, I'm reading from the, from the NIV version of the Bible. It says in verse 1, It happened when David and his men came to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south. And Ziglag and attacked Ziglag and burned it with fire. They took captive the women, those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone but carried them away. And David and his men came to the city, and there it was burned with fire. Their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. And David and the people who were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. Father, bless the reading of your word. Anoint the preaching of your word. Let our ears be ears that hear the word. 
Let the word prevail over every problem we face. Let the word of God have preeminence in this service. For Lord, it is the word according to Romans 10, 17 that builds our faith. It is the word according to Psalms that lights our path. And I thank you today for your word. For you said in the book of Acts, church, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Let the word of God prevail in this service today. And we give you glory in the name of Jesus. This story took place approximately one thousand and two years before Christ. David had been overlooked by the prophet. He'd been overlooked by his father. He'd been overlooked by all of his brothers, but he had not been overlooked by God. They had an ordination service at Jesse's house, but David wasn't invited. But God knew where he was. God didn't overlook David. The prophet anointed David to be king over Israel. And some of us begin to wonder why we're going through things, and I don't have all the answers, but I do have some answers. And one thing I know is a lot of times when God is anointing us with fresh oil, according to Psalms 92.10, we can't see it. But the devil can. Others around us can see it, but sometimes we can't see it. But when God begins to anoint you for the next level of your life, don't be surprised when all hell breaks loose against your life. Sometimes people will tell you you're going through what you're going through because of something you've done. But I'm going to tell you, you can live for God. You can do everything right and still go through things. You can be the best Christian you know how to be and still go through things. And, and, and I want you to know that the closer you get to what God has for you, the more difficult things are going to become in your life. I'm preaching a lot better than you're shouting. It's going to be a long sermon. From the time David was anointed, he had problems in his life. And the reason he had problems, there was a king that had his throne. There may be somebody that has your ministry. And the king that had the throne that belonged to David hated David. And I'm going to tell you something I, I know for a fact. Those who are unanointed hate the ones who are anointed. The greater the anointing, the greater the adversaries. The greater the anointing, the greater the adversity. The greater the anointing, the greater the attacks that come on your life. So if you're going through hell, it just tells me you must be a threat to the devil. If you're going through something, you must be doing something right. If you're going through something, then bless your heart, you must be about to do something for God that hell don't want you to do. You ought to shout if you're going through something. 
I said, you ought to shout if you're going through something. You ought to praise God if you've got an attack in your life. Why? Because God is about to do something in your life and hell don't like it. Hell don't like it. Come on, church. Can I tell you this? That satanic interference guarantees angelic intervention. Let me say that again. Satanic interference always guarantees angelic intervention. When hell came to Jesus, the angels came and ministered unto him. I can't get no help in this church today. Come on, I'm talking about. It ain't over yet. And like I said, I, I don't know everything, but I do know some things. And one thing I know is what hell thought would eliminate you. It's what God will use to elevate you. How many divorces have turned into ministry that has saved thousands of marriages? How many drunks have got sober and their testimony have delivered drunks all over the world. Why? What Satan thought would eliminate you, God will use to elevate you. You see, the devil never thought you'd get this far. The best thing he could ever do is just leave us alone. We will self-destruct. Come on, am I right? We'll get comfortable in our Christianity. Come on, we'll get, you know, we'll just get uh, lazy and lukewarm in our walk with God until hell breaks out. When hell breaks out, we know what to do. My God, we, we change our posture. Come on, we're not walking around with our shoulders back all arrogant. When hell comes, we hit our knees. Come on, when hell comes, what Satan thought would eliminate us, it just Elevates us. Hell thought he would hide David out on the backside of the desert. Hell thought David would be offended because they didn't invite him in the ordination service. Oh, but come on. David wasn't out there playing around. He was killing bears and he was killing lions and he was praising God. He was waiting for his moment. He was waiting for his hour. What hell thought would eliminate him, God used to elevate him. Oh, I didn't intend to preach this hard today. Second thing I know for sure. If I'm going to go to something, I'm going to go through something. Because what you go through is what it takes to get you to what you're going to. Oh, are you ready to shout? The greater what you're going through is, the greater what you're going to is. When Israel got to the brink of the promised land, there was giants there. Am I right? 
They wandered around 40 years. When they came back, guess who was still there? Giants. You know why? They don't put security guards around garbage dumps. They put armed guards around treasures. So when you're getting ready to go to something, then bless your heart, you better dig down deep and get something from God because only those who can press through something, press to something. Come on. Amen. Come on. Talk to me. I'm telling you, we have a weak church today. We have a bunch of Christians that want easy Christianity. It's not going to be that way. I didn't get where I am today taking the easy way. Come on. I got where I am today pressing through problems, pressing through hell, and going on anyway. Brother Tony didn't go through Bible school to get where he is today. He went through death row to get where he is today. That's why when you listen to his testimony, it touches people. Why? He knows what you're going through. He knows where you are. He's been there, and he saw what God did for his life. I'm so tired of preachers today. They've been to seminary. And their church is a cemetery. They got so many degrees that they look like a thermometer. But their church is so cold, you could skate down the aisles. You know why? They ain't never been nowhere. Ain't never been through nothing. Come on, Daddy was a preacher, and Daddy called them to preach, and they went to seminary, and they're just as dead and just as dry and just as lifeless. I'm not knocking education. Don't 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 get me wrong. I got two doctorates. I'm not giving an education. I'm not giving an altar call for the illiterate. I'm telling you, education will not change anybody. Information will not change anybody. It's revelation that changes people and I got a revelation I know a Jesus that can set you free from alcohol I know a Jesus that can set you free from drugs I know a Jesus that can deliver you from death row I know a Jesus that can change your life I know a Jesus that can heal your body you may lose everything before God does anything Brother Payne, how can you say that in this day of faith and in this day of confession and in this day of... (laughs) Hello. You never met a more positive person than I am. But I'm going to tell you, I don't care how positive you are. You're going to go through some things, and sometimes you're going to lose everything. I fasted. I prayed. I did everything I could do to keep my wife on this planet. I spent $250,000 that insurance didn't cover on experimental drugs trying to keep my wife on this planet. But God took her. Come on. Well, Brother Payne, there must have been something, must have been sin and some. Shut up. I'll slap you. I ain't always been a Christian. I'm so sick of this bunch. You may lose everything. Listen, David was a man of 
after God's own heart, according to that scripture. Him and 400 men went over here to fight a little nation called Apec, and they destroyed them. And they're coming back. And if I know anything about 400 preachers, amen, and they've been over there, and they've had a revival, and every devil in town got beat down, Brother Tony. They ain't coming back with their heads down. They're coming along there singing, oh, hallelujah, look what God has done. And off in the distance, they see smoke, and they start running. And when they get there, everything they own has been burnt to the ground, and they're kids are gone. Their wife, if they kissed a few days before, she's gone. They don't know if she's alive. They don't know if she's dead. Everything's gone. Am I right? You know, you may be okay today, and I, I, you know, and I praise God that you are, and I, I praise God that your body's healed, and I praise God that your bills are paid, but honey, if you wake up tomorrow and your world's falling apart and you get a prognosis like this man we prayed for, and there's cancer all through your body, have you got enough God to stand up on top of your problem and say, I still serve God, God is still real in my life, I'm not going to let this get me down, come on, are you, are, come on, you got to get to that place, you got to get to that place. They run and all they find is ashes. You know why there's ashes there? The Amalekites. That's the tribe that God told Saul to completely annihilate. And because he didn't kill them, now they've come to try to stop David from going to the throne. Now, what do you do when you've lost everything and you're standing knee-deep in the ashes and the 400 men that fought with you yesterday want to kill you today? You see, when you're going through things, if you're not careful, you're going to look for somebody to blame. And on this, what causes divorces? Husbands blame wives. Wife blames husbands. Come on. Amen. Churches, uh, members of churches blame the pastor. I mean, you know, we got to place the blame. Folks, let me tell you something. You, when you got a problem, you don't need to fix the blame. You need to fix the problem. Come on. And all these 400 men started blaming David, and they set out to kill David. I pastored before I went into evangelism, I've been traveling for uh, 28 years now in evangelism. And I kept a list of folks in my church I was going to kill if I ever backslid. <laughs> church folks can be the worst. I'd rather have the mafia after me than church folks. Mafia, they'll just put a hit on you, kiss you on cheek, and next day you're, you know, in the bottom of the river with concrete tennis shoes on, you know. Mafia just finished you all, but Christians, you know, I'm nervous now when Christians walk up to me and start doing this because I think they're looking for a place to put the knife in my back, you know. 400, and I want to give you two or three things here before I close. Number one, don't bury your destiny in the ashes of your adversity. Are you still here? I said, don't bury your, your destiny in the ashes of your adversity. Everybody has problems. Come on. Everybody has problems. Everybody has attacks. But God has a destiny for everybody sitting in this building today. And it's greater than you realize. Come on. God's got something he wants to do in your life. God's got something he's, he, oh, come on. I'm telling you, God's got something he's trying to do in your life. And if you just let God do it, I'm telling you, you got a destiny as long as you won't let adversity. In, in Isaiah 61, he said he would give us beauty for ashes. Come on. Come on. He'd give us the all of joy for our mourning. And if you read on down, he said he'd give us a double portion. You know why? You're going through things. You're going to things. If you want a double portion, then you have to walk through some things to get to that place. Amen.
Don't bury your destiny in the ashes of your adversity. Second thing, don't allow your tears to wash away your faith. They wept all night long. Now in Ecclesiastes 3, there tells us there is a theology of tears. It says there's a time to weep. But you see, most Christians stop right there. There's not a period there, honey, there's a comma. <laughs> and it says there's a time to weep, but there's a time to dance. So if I'm sad, I must be on my way to the party. Every church I go into, look here, every church I go into, I can walk through the crowd and pick up uh, Kleenex boxes, you know. Every church, every church building I go through, I pick up these Kleenex boxes. And the reason I pick these up is because, bless their heart, Christians think God is going to move if they cry enough. I'm not making light of tears. Let me tell you something. I cried for one solid month after my wife passed away. I couldn't preach. I couldn't even leave the house. I'd start thinking about her and I'd start weeping. And one morning I was out walking with my dogs. I got two German shepherds and I was out walking and working with my dogs. And the Lord said, you're going to have to dry those tears. And the reason I'm preaching this is I, I pray for people all the time, and I have women that get in my line, and they got Kleenexes, and they say, please pray for me. My husband left me. I said, when did he leave? He said, 16 years ago. You think I'm kidding? I'm not kidding. When are you going to get over it? Some of you sitting here today, you got to get over some things. I'm not preaching to myself. I'm preaching to you. Come on. You're going to have to get over some things. You've been crying about what somebody else did to you and how life dealt you a bad hand and, and how you were born on the wrong. Listen, we ought to all take a lesson from this little girl that walked up here today and said, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Come on. We ought, if, if anybody in this house ought to praise God, we ought to praise God. Hallelujah. That we got a voice to praise God for and with. Come on. Hallelujah. I'm sick of a church that God's done so much for. Anybody living in America, I know we got problems. I, I'm, I don't like the decision that came down to the Supreme Court yesterday, but I was married for 47 years. It was about time the homosexuals realized the pressure of marriage like the rest of us have. You see, they all gung-ho now about getting married, but wait, wait till about two years down the road when they get a divorce and John takes half of Joe's stuff. Then it's going to be a whole different story. <laughs> see, they ain't thought that far yet. I was married 47 years, and I found out early in my marriage, the only place I was going to have it my way is down at Burger King. <laughs> I remember asking Ruby one, one time, I said, what do these marriage vows mean till death do you part? She said, that means you're going to live with me till it kills you. You see, I, I operate kind of like a dentist that uses laughing gas. You know, I'll get you laughing, then I'll drill a little deeper. So while you're laughing, just know something else is coming here in a minute. <laughs> that you might not like as much. And if I hit a nerve, and <laughs> you ask for it. Come on. But I just see people all the time. <laughs> Lord, you know. We spend half our time telling God what he already knows. If he knows a hair on your head, he knows you got a bill, do you? <laughs> he don't need you to tell him about it. He might really get up off the throne if you just wants to walk into the throne room and say, Thank you, Lord, I'm a tither. 
The window of heaven going to open. Going to be a blessing poured out. I ain't room enough to Thank you, Jesus. I'm about to get blessed. See, he said, oh, Lord, that got faith. <laughs> Don't let your tears wash away your faith. It's okay to cry, but there's a time you've got to stop crying. And you, you got to start speaking the word of God to your situation. Come on. I went to uh, Louisiana and had dinner with Jesse Duplantis, and Jesse said, looked at James, he said, uh, he said, now you ain't ready to hear this right now, but God's going to bring a young woman in your life. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I can dig on that. A young woman. <laughs> I'm going to preach to you. Y'all shut up over there. Preach over here. I said that in Kansas, Bob. He said, uh, a woman wrote me. She said, dear Brother Payne, I'm 40 years old. I got seven kids. I said, oh, Lord. <laughs> All the spirit went right out of me. Don't let your tears wash away your faith. Don't get bitter and miss your blessings. See, I didn't agree with God, but I wasn't mad at God. You see, a lot of people sitting around mad at God. You need to get in the altar today and repent. Most of your problems ain't in the devil. It's you. <laughs> if you could kick the rear end of your biggest enemy, you wouldn't be able to sit down for a week. <laughs> I'm I'm serious. You are the problem. You know what to do. You just don't do it. You want everybody else to do it for you. Don't get bitter and miss your blessing. Don't you just hate to see some old bitter person? I, I see people at church all the time. And, and, and when I see them, I walk on the other side of church. I don't even want to talk to them. And they can't figure out why they don't have any friends. Some of you thinking about them right now. You think about somebody right now, aren't you? And, and, and there's always, always got something negative. Always got, you know anybody like that? I said, do you know anybody like that? Aren't they fun to be around? Don't you just enjoy them? No. Listen, everybody's been hurt. Everybody's had problems. Everybody's been done wrong. You see, you can get bitter or you can get better. You can get bitter or you can miss God's blessing. I don't want to miss God's blessing. I can't afford unforgiveness. I can't afford bitterness. I can't afford all these things. You know why? Because God's trying to bless me and these things will stop God's blessing in my life. So I'm not, David didn't get bitter. He didn't get mad at these 400 men. Come on. He didn't get mad at God. He didn't even get mad at the enemy. He got mad. Praise God at the, at the devil. And he said, he got down. He said, God, what do you want me to do? And he asked God two questions, and God gave him three answers. He said, Lord, shall I pursue? And will I overtake? The Lord said, pursue, overtake, and recover all. Devil, I'm coming after what's mine. It ain't over yet. Come on, I'm coming after what's mine. You've had it long enough. I'm coming after it. I serve notice on you. You know the story. He told these 400 men, let's go. 
Half of them got tired before they got there. <laughs> Read it. <laughs> That's where people are when they're pursuing God. You know, you watch people in worship. I watch them. You, if you sing one chorus too many, they leaning up on the seat in front of them, hollering, oh, my God, when's this going to be over? My legs hurt. <laughs> if you preach 10 minutes too long, they're like this. <laughs> And you know, they're about to have a fit. They need prayer before they can go home. Because, you see, sometimes you've got to wear the devil out before the Holy Ghost comes. Come on. Amen. Sometimes. Come on. Sometimes you just got to have church until you have church. Sometimes you just got to pray till you pray through. Sometimes you got to sing till the glory comes down. Because when the glory comes down, all hell has to leave the building. Oh, come on, church. Sometimes you just got to praise him a little bit. Sometimes you just got to glorify him a little bit. Sometimes you just got to tell the devil, I'm coming after what's mine. Oh, I'm too old, Jim. Be acting like this. Oh, Lord, let me close for, the, for real this time. Somebody used to ask my wife, Stephanie, said, uh, what's that mean when he said he's closing? She said, don't mean nothing. <laughs> let me tell you something. Get this picture with me. Three days after Ziglag, which means a place of regret, three days after the attack on Ziglag, David is standing in the enemy's camp. And he's got everything they stole from him, plus everything they stole from everybody else. Everybody say three days. What if you knew three days from now what you've been praying for for 10 years, three days from now, it was going to come to pass. That loved one that looks like they're going to hell, what if three days from now they walked down the aisle and gave their heart and life to Jesus? What if three days from now? Are you ready for this? Six days from Ziglag. Saul is dead, and David is king. Read it in the first chapter of 2 Samuel. Six days from Ziglag, Saul is dead, David is king. What if you knew six days from now? You are going to go from a place of regret to a place of reigning. What if, come on. You know something? Let me tell you something, and, 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 and you need to hear what I'm getting ready to say. Those five supreme justices that voted against morality watched their families and their lives over the next 12 months. It will be tragedy. God didn't want it to be tragedy. But when you step against this book, when you defy this book, 
When you say, I don't care what the Bible says, the same Bible that every one of them put their hands on and was sworn in and, 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 and swore to defend, that book that they made a vow on is going to judge them. And this book says in Romans chapter 1, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, but became vain in their imagination. Their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise. They became fools and changed the corrupt Amen. Are the incorruptible into the corruptible? God gave them up to a reprobate mind, to men with men and women with women, working that which was unseemly. That's what this book says. God didn't say a man shall leave his father and mother and join himself to a man. I know God's a God of grace and mercy and long suffering, but let me tell you something about the law. There's a law called gravity, and you can get up on New York, an Empire State Building, and you can decide you're going to jump off and talk in tongues. And God's going to deliver you. No, we're going to have your funeral. We're going to pick up little pieces of you all over the street, and we're going to bury you because there's a law that's judging you on the way down. Hello. Come on. And God's Word is judging these five people that voted against morality in this nation. Come on. This word is going to judge them. Mark it down. They opened their life and their families for chaos and tragedy. They put their hand on this book and they swore off on this book and this book will judge them. Now I know they've already told me that they're going to take my 501c3 if I don't quit preaching like this. But guess what? I ain't going to quit preaching like this. Hello? Hello? Come on. They can take it all day long. I started preaching at the Piggly Wiggly on a green dumpster out in the front of the grocery store telling everybody they're going to hell. If I end up back there, that's all right. I've had a wonderful time preaching the gospel. Come on, around the world. I'm telling you, I'm not going to be censored. I'm not going to be told what to say. This is America. This is the word of God. I'm going to stand up for what is right. I'm going to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. God will defend me. Come on, give the Lord a praise offering. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's time to be bold. It's time to step up. It's time to tell the devil, you're not having America. There's going to be a revival in America. There's going to be an outpouring of God's spirit. It's going to touch every person in America. I know some of you, you look at the problems where you find that hard to believe. Well, that book I preach out of. And Acts 2.17 said in the last day, God is going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. On all flesh. Do you know at the turn of the century, if you read church history at the turn of the century, the early 1900s, this country was in as bad a shape then as it is now if not worse. But a little group of Methodist women got together over in Kansas and started pursuing Acts chapter 2. And the Holy Ghost fell like it did on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts. And last uh, three years ago, I preached in that tabernacle in Topeka, Kansas. It's a hundred years old. I preached there to a jam-packed auditorium of people that were full of the Spirit of God right there where it started. Azusa Street, 
California on Sunday night, 175,000 people jammed the streets talking in tongues and praising God. Seven miles from the church, people got off the train. The moment their feet hit the ground, they were slain in the spirit and baptized in the Holy Ghost. In Denver, Colorado, the churches weren't big enough to hold the people that wanted to pray. Every day at noon, they had to open up the movie houses. They had to open up the bars. They had to open up the schools. And still, there wasn't enough room for people who wanted to pray. That's the same God we serve today. I don't even know if you realize what you're singing when you said, Lord, do it again. He's about to do it again. And he said this latter move will be greater than that former move. I'm not giving up on America. I love America. Too much blood's been shed by my forefathers for me to give up on America. I've been around this world, folks. Listen to me. I've been around this world. I've seen the churches in third world countries that Americans have built. I see the food that are fed to thousands of people every day because Americans love them enough to give to them. Don't write every American off of what's happening on Capitol Hill. Come on. Are you, re- are you listening to me? Amen. Sometimes when I look at politicians in Washington, it's almost like the inmates are running the asylum. Amen. Come on. But you got to remember something about politics. Poly comes from a Latin word which means many, and ticks are blood-sucking creatures. So you put those two together, then you got many blood-sucking creatures. God can turn the heart of Pharaoh. God can turn the heart of Washington, D.C. Don't ever think he can't. God can part the Red Sea and rain man out of heaven, cause water to come out of a rock. He's still the God that can move today. Don't ever forget that. He's still God. Praise God. Look at somebody saying, ain't over yet. Amen. One thing you and I have in common, by the raising of your hand, we have one thing in common. We're all going through things. The Bible said pray one for another. I want you to stand. I want you to reach over and lay your hand on the shoulder of the one next to you. If you don't know what to pray for, pray in the Holy Ghost. Bob, I'm going to lay my hand on you. Is that okay? Amen. I'm going to lay my hand on you. Thank you for everything you're doing. God, I just thank you today. Lord, I know this ministry didn't come to the place it is without battles. Lord, I know it didn't come without attacks. Lord, I pray that you'd bless this man and his family. I pray that you'd prosper them, Lord. God calls them to prosper, calls them to always have more than enough money to do everything they need to do for the kingdom of God. Lord, where there is no way, make a way. Oh, God, oh, Lord, when doors are closed, open those doors. God, when people write them off, you write them down. Oh, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray a special blessing upon this couple right now. I thank you, Lord. I'm honored to be in their presence. I'm honored you let me meet them. I'm honored, God, that you let me share in their ministry. And, Lord Jesus, I thank you today. I thank you today, Lord. Keep them in health. Lord, keep them in, oh, Lord, keep them in health. Keep them, Lord, in anointing. Keep them, Lord, in the power of the Holy Ghost. All the days of their life, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Thank you, Lord, right now for what you're doing in their life. 
Oh, in Jesus' name. Oh, God, I pray today for, I pray for Linda and Gary, Lord. I pray right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, keep your hand upon them. Strengthen them, Lord, as they send the word out. Lord, it's the word that changes lives. I thank you now, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Oh, I thank you, Lord, that this ministry is going even to a new level. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Clap your hands, all you people. Give God a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. Remain standing. I I thought I'd done a lot of things for God. Five days before a year had passed, I was just continuing to go and preach. Five days before that first year was up, my phone rang. It was Benny Hinn. How many of you know who Benny Hinn is? called me on the phone. He said, James, I've been watching you on television. He said, the other day you kept me spellbound for over an hour preaching the gospel. He said, nobody's ever done that. He said, God has shown me that you have the message of the hour. He said, I want to invite you to come and be on my television program, and I want to invite you to preach in all my crusades around the world. I was just in Boston, and the night I preached in Boston, people were climbing over each other to get to the altar. First day I was on his television program, I had 15,000 hits on my website. Second day, 17,000 hits. Third day, 35,000 hits on my website. What are you saying, Brother Payne? I'm saying it ain't over yet. Some of you, the devil's lied to you and told you that you've gone as far as you can go. He's a liar. Every word spoken over you, everything God promised you, if you'll take a fresh hold of it before you leave this building and say, I'm not stopping short of what God has for me. I'm going to tell you the same thing will happen for you that happened for David. God will move hell back and bring heaven down to bring about is he said I was going to preach the gospel around the world and I'm here to tell you I'm preaching the gospel around the world and Carmi Illinois is part of the world and God sent me here today to preach the gospel to you amen Just an old sinner thief at the end of my rope. In my mind was a scripture many times I had scorned. While down the road they led Jesus, they claimed virgin born. That day I met Jesus hanging there on a tree. I heard as he spoke and he beckoned to me. I left a lifetime of misery hanging there, don't you see? That day I met Jesus, that day He saved me. 
There's nothing to do that would alter my past That's when I knew that this day was my last They nailed this man Jesus on a cross next to me There I opened my heart, new life to receive That day I met Jesus hanging there on a tree I heard as he spoke and he beckoned to me I left a lifetime of misery hanging there, don't you see? That day I met Jesus, that day That day I met Jesus, that day He saved me. Well, drivers, we hope that you have enjoyed our program today. Hey, and you might be one of those drivers that's never said yes. I surrender my life to Jesus. Well, guess what, friends? We don't like to close any program without offering you the chance to do just that. So. If you'd like to surrender your heart to the Lord, then just pray with me right now. Just pray this prayer right now. Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Lord, come into my heart. Take out my stony heart and give me a new heart. And I will serve you from this day forward in Jesus' name. Hey, drivers, friends, if you prayed that prayer, give us a call here at Lonesome Road Ministries at 618 383 2107. We want to pray with you. We want to help you. We want to send you more CDs to help you out there on that old lonesome road. This is Captain Gary Rayburn, and we're going to end today's program like we end most of our programs. That's with my testimony in song that I wrote with the help of my songwriting partner, Tom Caldwell. And now we've got a new songwriting partner, Dennis McKay, and he has helped us with this song and brought it up to a new level. Here's Dennis McKay with At the Foot of the Tree. At the crossroads of life Lost without hope Eighteen wheels of lonesome the end of the road In my hand was a track The preacher had read His words still echoing In the back of my head I felt so ashamed When I thought of my past Then I called his name This chance would it be my last Then I saw Jesus hanging on that tree I lifted up my heart from down on my knees Today I met Jesus at the foot of the cross Broken hearted and lonesome, 
so long I've been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree Rhythm with 